everybody, Jimmy Smith here on today's MMA on SiriusXM podcast. Matchroom boxing president Eddie Hearn joins me on Unlocking the Cage to discuss Canelo versus Triple G three future of Anthony Joshua and the latest boxing news. Plus, UFC lightweight Jared Gordon sits down with Ryan McKinnell and Angela Hill on MMA Today to discuss his win at UFC 278, his candid fight week comments about MMA's effect on his life, and the reason behind his Patty Pimblet callout. All right, I am now joined by boxing promoter extraordinaire. Thank you so much for your time, Eddie Hearn. Thanks for joining us, buddy. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. So, look, I've said many times in combat sports, whether it's MMA, boxing, kickboxing, everything I've ever covered or talked about, stakes mean everything, right? I mean, you, oh, that was a great fight. Yeah, I can see a great fight in the backyard. I can see a great fight in the amateurs. I can see a great fight on the way up. It's stakes that mean everything. When it comes to Triple G versus Canelo Alvarez, September 17th, the stakes for you historically, as a box, as a guy who knows the history of boxing, what are the stakes for you historically outside the X's and O's in this fight? I just think, you know, when you're talking about bringing two legends, two icons of a generation together, it's always, you know, it's always um, so amazing to watch as a promoter, as a fan. I mean, my excitement for that fight comes from being able to be there and actually watch it. In fact, particularly the fight week, because when you talk about legacy and the prize for the fighters, this is for the undisputed middleweight world, super middleweight world championship. No one's actually talking about that. They're talking about the grudge match. You know, they're talking about the trilogy. They're talking about two icons colliding in Las Vegas on September 17th. And the edge in this fight is incredible because it's so personal between these two guys. And for me, it's great promoting a historic fight, but I can't wait to get my teeth into fight week, you know, because they're like nibbling at each other on, in interviews. And I'm just like, guys, let's get together and just tell him what you think, you know, and, and let's get these guys head to head. Let's build it. He's got a great undercard, but it's, you know, when I speak to Saul and he says to me, I'm going to finish this guy. I'm going to, I'm going to end this guy's career on September the 17th. I'm thinking, wow, this is going to be a great fight because I know Triple G is desperate to knock Canelo Alvarez out. And there's pressure on Canelo Alvarez. He's coming off a defeat. You know, he's expected to bounce back in this fight. And Gennady looks really, really good and strong and up at 168 pounds. I think he's going to be very tough to beat. What are your thoughts on that? I, I, I'm very curious. Um, the, the personal side of this, meaning... I heard recently, and it was, it was a soccer player, and he was talking about other soccer players with big egos who can be jerks and all this stuff, and he said, you can't go out there and put a team on your back with a country screaming behind you in a huge stadium and be the aw shucks guy. There's something about greatness where there can only be one and it's me. The personality of Canelo and Triple G isn't really not necessarily the kind of guys getting in a lot of conflicts, but it's almost... They have to. There can only be one of these. What are your thoughts on this becoming personal with you guys who generally don't make fights personal? What's your thought on that? Yeah, I mean, it's amazing to see Canelo Alvarez speak in this way. I love it. Yeah. You know, because I love it because obviously I'm a promoter and from a build-up perspective, it's great. <laughs> but also, on the other side, you know, it's compelling for the fans and it means a lot. You know, these guys are going into camp every day thinking about their opponent desperate to win you know yes every belt in boxing is on the line but
but this means more to these two. This is personal. Honestly, like if there was no belt on the line, I'd say they wouldn't care, but it would be irrelevant because for Triple G, it's about winning the fight that he feels he should have won previously. And for Canelo Alvarez, it's about punishing Triple G for everything that he said. And in his mind, the way that he's disrespected him. So like, it's hard to goad it out of Triple G because he's such a you know, respectful, he likes to be that respectful guy. Boxing is about respect. But then when he does an interview off the press conference, Dias, you know, it's, he's this and he's that. And, and, and I think Canelo is like, say it to my face, you know? And we're gonna make sure that he says it to his face on fight week. And when these two come together at the press conference, particularly at the weigh-in, and particularly on September 17th, there'll be no backward step. You know, they, these guys will be ready to go toe-to-toe. Speaking, of course, to Eddie Hearn, boxing promoter extraordinaire. Uh, he's promoting Triple G versus Canelo Alvarez, September 17th. Let's get a little bit into the broad X's and O's. When I was growing up, so many great Mexican fighters, but it was that stereotype of take three to give one. I'll take one with my face to knock you out. The, the willingness and ability to endure in the mid-90s, there's a little bit of a, sh- a bit, bit of a shift with the Marquez brothers. We're starting to see boxer punchers that can kind of do everything. How much of this new mold is Canelo? Not just the take three to give one, but a slick counterpuncher, uh, great defense. How do you think he lines up X's and O's with Canelo, another, uh, with, I'm sorry, with Triple G, another great boxer? Well, I think he's, he's really a bit of everything. You know, if you watch the first Triple G fight, he boxed and moved in that fight, you know, and he was quite clever. He has great lateral movement, great head movement. You know, you see him all the time slipping punches and he's very, very intelligent. In the second fight, he chose to take it to Triple G, like stand in the middle of the ring, push him back and trade with him, which was incredible, really, because no one's ever done that to Triple G before. I think now, you know, he's in his mind, he fights that same style again. You know, I don't see him going in there trying to be smart in this fight, trying to slip and duck and box off the back foot. He says, I want to stand over Gennady Golovkin when he's knocked out and know that I've ended his career. You know, and I've never heard him talk like that before. You know, so when he's talking like that, he's not also, he's not a man that sort of says one thing and does another. I think he's going to go in there. I think he's going to continue the 13th round of fight two, which was one of the best fights I've ever seen. Yeah. And these two are going to go toe-to-toe from the first bell. You talk about the Canelo side, his determination to finish Triple G, to, to as you say, end his career. Triple G off two performances that some people thought went to Triple G or should have been a draw in the second one, et cetera, et cetera. That idea of feeling robbed by the judges, robbed by the boxing community because Canelo has the bigger name, what does that do motivation-wise for Triple G, who's already a knockout puncher? I think it just changes your, your motivation in terms of how you want the fight to end. I mean, like I said, Gennady wants to win this fight by knockout because he doesn't like Canelo Alvarez, but he also wants to win this fight by knockout because he doesn't want to leave anything to the judges in his mind. You know, he feels, and some agree, some disagree, two very close fights, that he should have won both, if not one of those fights, but he will be thinking to himself this time, I'm not letting this fight go to distance. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to land everything I can on Canelo Alvarez. Now, these two have tremendous chins. I mean, watch the second fight. Watch the first fight. They're taking everything from each other. But the intensity and the way and the speed and, and, you know, that this fight will be fought at 
I do not see this one game 12 rounds. Uh, when you look at a guy like Canelo Alvarez, of course, coming off loss to Dimitri Bivol, way above his natural weight class, way above. You as a promoter, I'm very curious about your perspective because it seems like fans encourage this kind of, I'm going to fight two weight classes up and not Roy Jones Jr. fighting at heavyweight. Mm. We eat it up in one sense. But then when they fail, we go, ah, I told you so. Look at that. Yeah. Try, trying to do too much. You as a promoter, a star like Canelo says, hey, I want to fight two weight classes up, three weight classes up. What are your thoughts? Is it, okay, do what you want. We'll see how it works out. Is there a look? How about one? How about two? What are your thoughts of this, this, this uh, tendency of fighters to go up like that? Well, he's the boss, you know, and I think the problem is he's so good that he has to handicap himself, you know? So it's like, I can't be beaten at my natural weight. So therefore, to get competitive fights, I've got to handicap myself and fight bigger guys. And, and he came unstuck against Dimitri Bivol. I mean, you know, I said before, he's got no business being at light heavyweight at all. But it was like, well, he's I've not just a big middleweight. division at Super no, but I've like <laughs> I've unified the division at super middle. So how can I have a tough fight? Okay, I fight Dimitri Bivol. Now you're quite right. Boxing fans are very unique. You know, rather than championing him and saying, "Wow, like this guy, he just wants to test himself all the time." They go, "Oh, maybe he's overrated. He's not pound for pound number one, etc." So, but he still wants to rematch Dimitri Bivol. I mean, that's really if he beats Gennady Golovkin, that's the only fight he wants the rematch with Dimitri Bivol. And it's a very tough fight. You know, you saw with AJ rematching Alexander Usyk. Sometimes people just have your number, you know, and, and that could be the case with Dimitri Bivol because of the size and, and the confidence coming off the first fight. Uh, do you believe history underrates those boxers? Like when we throw Roberto Duran in with the four kings, right? When, when you look at, at what he did with Sugar Ray Leonard, what he did with Tommy Hearns, what he did with Marvin Hagler, the guy was a puffed-up lightweight. He was not even a natural welterweight. Yeah. Roberto Duran wasn't size-wise in that class. And we kind of go, man, he's one of the four kings, but, man, he lost to all of them. I was like, guys, he was a 135-pounder. You know, do, do we tend to overlook the fact that some people were just taking big risks and we put him in the same class as Marvin Hagler, who was a head taller than him? What are your thoughts on the history of that? Yeah, I mean, actually, Roberto Duran was at the fight in Saudi Arabia the weekend. And I know people get a little bit smaller when they get older, but I was looking at him thinking, wow, how were you fighting these big monster middleweights? <laughs> Trading punches with them, yeah. But I think, yeah, I mean, I think that sort of legacy and history is defined over time. And we never really appreciate them when they're there. I mean, you look back now, you know, at those, that era, and you start to remember how great those fighters were. I mean, Evander Holyfield was also in Saudi Arabia, one of my favourite fighters growing up because of the disadvantages he's, he faced. You know, if you watch Holyfield's fights with Riddick Bowe, you're talking about, you know, 60, 70, 80 pound size difference. And the, the toughness of the man was incredible. But people like Canelo Alvarez and Gennady Golovkin, we need to appreciate them now because it won't be too long till they leave the sport. But when they leave the sport, they will go down as, as some of the greatest to ever lay, lace up the gloves. 
I'm very curious sitting here with with Eddie Hearn, boxing promoter, boxing fan, boxing historian. I have to ask you about uh, one of my favorite topics right now, the lightweight division. Let's say 135, 140. Uh, when you look at names like Devin Haney, Vasily Lomachenko, Gervonta Davis, George Cambosis Jr., Tiafimo Lopez, on and on and on. Could we get another kind of Four Kings era out of that, which would be amazing for boxing? All those names in the same division hasn't happened in a long time. As a fan and a promoter, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that, you know, you always need competition. You need um, you need dance partners, yeah. you know. And when you look at what Canelo Alvarez did, although there hasn't been sometimes the great rivalry, you know, beating Callum Smith, Billy Joe Saunders, Caleb Plant, he did that all in like less than 10 months to unify the division. But the great rivalries are what makes boxing, you know. And I think this, we're very lucky to have a rivalry between Canelo Triple G, although there's not four of them. But, you know, we're lucky to have these two greats in the same weight class who, you know, ultimately will give us incredible entertainment. Uh, when you look at, as you mentioned, uh, Anthony Joshua, very close fight with Alexander Usyk his last time out. Gigantic heavyweight, a ton of talent in a division where kind of the eyes of boxing have always been on the heavyweight division. What's your thoughts on the future of Anthony Joshua uh, moving off that fight? Um. People are, you know, we go back to the critics of boxing, aren't they? You know, it's like, he should retire. I mean, the guy lost a split decision to the pound for pound number one. You know, I did 115-113. I thought he was winning the fight at the end of the ninth round and Usyk won every round in just an incredible performance of the championship rounds, you know? He's very harsh on himself because he wanted to win so badly. But even if you're not an AJ fan, he's a top five heavyweight in the world. So... Sometimes you don't just have to be the very best to continue in your job. You know, if you love what you do, if you have on your day opportunity to beat the number one, if you still have the opportunity to improve, then you should keep going if you still love the sport, which he does. You know, it was a good performance. It was a much better performance than the first fight. And at one point in the fight, at the end of the ninth round, most people thought he was going to go on to win the fight. It was only the brilliance of Alexander Usyk, who is a pound for pound. I mean, he is the pound for pound number one. You know, so I think there's a big future for Anthony Joshua. I think we should keep him active now, come back, get back in the saddle, you know, have a good couple of good solid wins and then move off. Whether that's a fight with Tyson Fury, you know, whether that's Deontay Wilder, which is probably still the biggest fight in heavyweight boxing outside of Fury AJ. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing, really, because although Fury Usyk is a big fight to fight fans, the biggest fight in the division is Fury against AJ still. And the next biggest fight in the division is Wilder against AJ, you know? And then after that, it's probably Fury against Usyk. Now, fight fans listening to this might say, nah, rubbish. Trust me, that's the reality. That's the commercial reality of the situation. You know, AJ remains a huge draw, but he's coming off two back-to-back defeats. So he has to rebuild a little bit and get himself back in that position. Uh, I have to know, speaking of getting back on the horse, speaking of somebody who had a, a great performance, want to see him again, Katie Taylor with her win over Amanda Serrano, biggest female boxing match of all time. Amazing work by all the promoters involved. Uh, when might we see her next? You're going to see her, it looks like the end of October. I mean, we were really disappointed that we couldn't make that rematch. You know, we had a, a big money offer on the table for Serrano. We wanted to do it in Ireland, where obviously Katie Taylor is you know, a huge star in front of 80,000. Um, I think Serrano wanted another fight in between, so we'll do the same. Um, and then I think you'll see that rematch in spring, summer of 2023. You know, it was 
it was the best fight I've ever seen live. You know, it was incredible for all the hype, for all the build-up, sold out Madison Square Garden. It's just when a fight delivers on that magnitude, but you can go into some fights really confident. You know, and I went into that fight really confident that we would get a great fight and we got one. It's the same with Canelo against Triple G. You know, like I know I can speak with so much passion about that fight to make you tune in because I know when you tune in, you're going to see a fight for the ages. You know, and, and, and Taylor Serrano was just that. And hopefully we get to see number two. Uh, is there still any thought of, you know, uh, my MMA audience? There were talks of Holly Holm, Chris Cyborg taking on mm. Katie Taylor. Any talks in that direction? Any thought of that? Definitely, definitely. I mean, look, Katie Taylor wants challenges. You know, she wants to keep changing the face of the sport. And to do that, sometimes these crossover fights have a lot of appeal. Holly Holm is a very, very good fighter, boxer. You know, very good boxer. And Cyborg is huge and a huge puncher. So they're big challenges as well. There's a couple of other champions, you know, in the, in the boxing code we're looking at as well. But we certainly don't rule out a Cyborg or a Holly Holm fight for the future. One last question before I let you go. Jake Paul's fight with uh, Hasim Rahman Jr. falling through. There are obviously conflicting stories about it was the venue, it was the weight cut, it was all these things. There's this idea that doing what you do is simple. Get a venue, get a couple fighters, and you're promoting. Yeah. Little windows like that. <laughs> I'm laughing too because people don't understand the complexities and all the things that go together to make a great fight. Every now and then that window opens and we see that. What are your thoughts on that? Al, you put it all together. It's an amazing fight. Yeah, but I mean, look, I, you're we, behind the scenes doing it. Yeah. We Listen, we did a fight with MVP, which is his promotional company. Um They've got some good people there and Jake Paul's very bright and intelligent, but everything comes down to experience. You know, they don't have experience of promoting tens, hundreds, thousands of huge live boxing events. And you learn as you go, like what I know now compared to what I knew when I did three or four fights, you, you can't compare. And they're gonna come unstuck at times. Sometimes it's not their fault, and maybe this was one of those occasions, or now don't forget there was two fights that fell through for that day, Tommy Fury and then Hasim Rahman, right. you know, two opponents. So, but everyone hates on Jake Paul. So when it falls through, everyone says, oh, he's useless, they're a shambles, they don't know what they're doing. You know, Jake's a bright guy. He's got Nikita there as well, you know, but they're not a huge team, but also there's people that will work against them because they don't like them and they don't want them to succeed. We get that as well, you know? So you've got to be on your toes. You've got to sleep with one eye open and you need experience at the high level. doesn't matter if it's sport, business, whatever it is. Experience is key, consistency is key, and being sharp is key. And, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll learn as they go. But, you know, I still feel like he's a great addition to the sport. Eddie Hearn, president of Matchroom Boxing. I know how busy you are. Thank you so much for giving us your time. Everybody, Canelo Alvarez, Triple G, three at T-Mobile Arena, Las Vegas, Saturday, September 17th. I know you're going to have a great time there, Eddie. I don't have to say it. Appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Take care. 
Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. Joining the show right now, fresh off his victory on Saturday against Leonardo Santos, which was his fourth win in his last five fights. The man is surging. That's why we call him Flash. Jared Gordon joined the show here on a Wednesday. What's up, Jared? Nothing much. How you guys doing? Man, we're we're doing lovely. We're hanging out. Yeah. We're talking mixed martial arts. We got uh, you know, the victorious Flash hanging out with us. Uh, first of all, congratulations on the win. Uh, obviously, four wins in your last five fights. That's uh, nothing to scoff at. You got to be pretty stoked with that. But Jared, one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you. Obviously the victory was great. Uh, you know, Saturday was a big moment. It's four wins and five fights. You continue to, you know, put on a show in the lightweight division, but it was actually your pre-fight comments uh, about the sport and kind of your motivation and why you do what you do. Uh, it was a very interesting sort of window into you as a fighter and not just you as a fighter, Jared, but I feel like kind of all fighters, you, you basically alluded to the fact that and I'm going to quote you here. You said MMA hasn't helped me at all. Actually, it's made my life worse. I'm not even joking. MMA doesn't give me fulfillment whatsoever. I'm able to use my platform to help people through MMA, but whether I win or lose three days later, I'm miserable again. So I'm kind of intrigued. We're about three days after your win on Saturday. How are you feeling? Are you miserable? Are you feeling a little good after four wins and five fights? How are you feeling, my guy? No, I feel I feel good. Um, all right. So some people took that out of context. I guess I did say it in a little, uh, <laughs> a little over exaggerated way. So obviously, <laughs> I love fighting. I love UFC. I love fighting for the UFC. I love fighting for the fans. I love competing. I love martial arts. Obviously, it's one of my passions. Sure. I don't think anybody does MMA if they don't love it. Um, mm-hmm. What I meant was was that it doesn't fulfill me completely um if i put all my value into fighting and if i identify completely as a fighter you know one you know first of all fighting can be taken away from me very quickly secondly when i retire now now who am i i'm i'm no one so when i say that it doesn't it's made my life worse i meant that it gives me anxiety it gives me stress, you know, it gives me injuries. What gives me fulfillment and makes me happy are, you know, God, think my family, my wife, my friends, helping people, um, not, you know, fighting and winning. And I'm sure, Angela, you can attest to this. You win a fight, you feel amazing. Obviously, you bask in the glory. And then a couple of days later, you're like, oh, What's next? What do I do next? You know, and it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a drug. It is a drug. It's an adrenaline rush. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're always looking for that next fix. What's, what, you know, who do I find next? What, what What's the next level that, that I'm going to reach? And so 
you know, I think people that understand fighting knew what I meant. A lot of the fans, I assume they're younger people, were like, well, why don't you just stop fighting then if you hate fighting so much? <laughs> and I'm like, but it went over their heads. So, um, yeah, you know, like, I fight, you know, to raise awareness for addiction and, you know, mental health stuff. And uh, that's my bigger purpose. Obviously, I also fight to make a living, you know, to support myself and my wife and the people around me. So it's more than just, um, you know, fighting for fancy stuff and, and like to get, you know, famous and rich or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's deeper than that. Well, Jared, and we're here with Jared Flash Gordon, fresh off this victory on Saturday. Uh, Jared, I do kind of wonder, how do you balance that, right? Because you do want to be, you know, outspoken. You want to talk about the issues that matter to you. Uh, But those are difficult subjects to broach. You know what I mean? Like, I'm aware of your story. I know you've dealt with addiction. I I mean, it's a part of sort of who we expect when Jared Gordon uh, steps in a cage. But, But how do you balance that in terms of, you know, talking about that during fight week, making that a part of your brand, uh, you know, going out there and, and, and trying to raise awareness while also, right, just a few days removed from a fight. Yeah, I mean, you know, so there's there's two parts of fighting for me, my bigger purpose. And then obviously I also, you know, I have, I have uh, goals as well for myself. I want to be, you know, top 10, top five. Everyone wants to be champion. That's not that's still part of my, of my journey and my goal. You know, I still want to attain those things as well. Um, so I just have to separate them. Like, you know, my, my purpose is to fight for people that suffer from certain things like I have. And that's my bigger purpose. And that's my drive and motivation. And then there's, you know, the Jared that wants to make a really good living everyone wants to make a really good living and uh, <laughs> right? there's, the Jared that, there's the Jared that wants to get to top 15 top 10 top five and become champion so you know it's for me it's just like I use one to to help others and I use the same thing to uh motivate myself to to get in the gym every day and train hard and and, and learn and be a student and uh progress in this game Well, you really are ahead of the game mentally, I think, when it comes to a lot of fighters, because that's one thing that I've talked to teammates a lot about. Um, And it's most surprising after a win, when you just feel that kind of depression set in and you feel that that feeling that nobody cares about what you just did. You know what I mean? And a lot of times I don't don't know, it it might not be the exact same thing you're talking about, but that that is a thing that I don't think is talked about enough. The fact that you'll go out there and you'll do this big thing that you prepared for for months and then you're successful and everyone's happy for you. And then days later, nobody cares or nobody remembers, or at least that's what it feels like, you know? Um, you hit the nail right on the head. That's okay, like exactly cool. <laughs> what I meant, like, you're like, yeah. don't, like a week a week goes by and you're like, don't you remember last Saturday <laughs> I won this fight? And people are like, oh, yeah, but who cares now? Like, do, do it again, you know? Like, uh, exactly. So you're like still trying to like, 
get glory out of it and everyone's moved on. Like when there's so much anticipation, especially for, for like huge fights. So like this Kamar, the last weekend, the main event, the, the, the anticipation or is so big or when, when any big star fights, you know, like Mayweather or McGregor, all this anticipation, Oh my God, this, you know, and then they finally fight. And, and then a couple of days later, no one cares anymore. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, everyone's going to move on. Everyone has their own lives. So it's, and then the fighter is left there like, uh, what do I do now? <laughs> um, so that's what I mean by when, like, it doesn't give me lasting fulfillment. And, you know, like when I, when I, when they, when MMA fighting posted that interview and, and that snippet of me saying that all of like the guys that have been in the game for a while, reposted it and were like, you know, they agreed with me. And then there's mm-hmm. people that had no idea what I was talking about because I never, they never went through it. You know, it's an emotional roller coaster for us. All the anticipation of training and injuries and getting through camp and then the weight cut, all, all fight week, the media days and, and uh, you know, flying, flying into where, wherever you're fighting and, you know, landing and checking in and, you know, media day, fight, you know, weight cut day, then you make weight, you're super excited, then you got to fight, then then you finally fight and you win or you lose, whatever. And then it's like, when it's all over, it's like, uh, what do I fill, what do I fill my time in my void with? So, I mean, yeah. that's, what, that's what I meant, like, and, I, I you know, I'm, I'm dying to do it again. I want to get back in. I'm already, the day, the night that I fought <laughs> last weekend, I won. I'm laying in my bed in my hotel room. I'm, I'm my my wife fell asleep. Everyone, you know, went back to their hotel rooms, and I'm rewatching my fight. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I'm on Instagram or Twitter or whatever, and um, I see people saying like, "Oh," or, or they, you know, they ask me pre uh, post fight, "Who do you want to fight next?" And then now I'm thinking of my next opponent, and I'm already getting anxiety for my next fight <laughs> that is not even. I was not even set or, or talking. Uh, I'm already thinking, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm like, yeah. oh, shit. it's back already. The anxiety, the anxiety is already <laughs> back. I just want to fight like 47 minutes ago and I'm already nervous about the next one. Yeah, so, like, no, that's so real. And it's something that people yeah. who don't compete don't understand, especially at a high level. Like when you're, yeah. when you're competing and nobody's really watching or paying attention to you, don't, have that same anxiety of performance and anxiety of putting on a show and doing the whole process of the media and the weigh-ins and all that. But, uh, yeah, like you said, once you've been in the game for a while, once you've become addicted to fighting, which I definitely am. Yes. So, <laughs> so I'm in there with you. Yes. I'm working on it. I'm working on myself. I know. You, you play like every weekend, man. <laughs> yeah. It's a sickness. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> But um, yeah, it's, it's it really is a thing that every fighter should talk about more. And I love that you talk about these things because it makes people like me more comfortable being open, being vulnerable. Like I, I think this is the first time when when I was about the fight that I admitted being really nervous about it, especially because you know I I lost my last fight the way that this girl's probably going to plan on beating me in this fight. So um, so yeah, it's it's funny the more people are open uh especially big tough guys like you you know the more people are open the more comfortable 
other fighters feel about being open too, because you don't have to put on this tough guy performance to get a win. You can just speak your mind and not have to worry about backing up the shit you were talking earlier. Yeah, exactly. That's why, like, I don't talk shit either. Because <laughs> I put so much, you put so much pressure on yourself, like, to to show up. If you lose, you look like an idiot. But you know, to each their own, I guess. We're here with Jared Gordon here on a Wednesday, fresh off his victory on Saturday. Uh, Jared, listen, I know you called out Patty Pimblett, but more from a standpoint of, uh, I think we know Patty in his last fight spoke about suicide awareness and, and mental health. It was a very you know poignant moment. It drew a lot of eyes. It got a lot of headlines. Uh, you, after the fight, said, hey, man, let's mix it up. Let's uh, bring awareness to mental health. And, and, and you challenged him to a fight. Was there any movement on that? Do you think that is a, uh, a fight that might, you know, um, some point in the next couple of fights, right? Do you think that's a fight that might be on the horizon? Yeah, I think, um, I don't know about the next one, but down the line. Yeah. Uh, but so me, me and Patty have been calling each other out for two years because uh-huh. I fought his teammate, I beat his teammate. And then, he he wasn't signed to the UFC yet, but when he did get signed, he said, hey, I, w- I would like to fight, you know, Jared Gordon or maybe he named a couple other people. And then, you know, after I fought, not not the fight before this last one, but the one before that, I called him out. And then after his last fight, what, like a month ago, he was talking to Karen Bryant, like post-fight interview, and uh, said if I win my next fight, he'd like to fight me. So I won the fight. So I said, all right, well, you know, and then it just made sense. Like his uh, close friend had, had taken his life. Um, My best friend who was a professional fighter, Sergio De Silva, he, he fought in Bellator. He didn't get to UFC, uh, Hmm. but he, he uh, took his life a little over a year ago. Um, so I'm, you know, directly affected by the suicide. Uh, sure. so I figured, man, we can raise awareness and then at the same time, try to punch each other's heads in and entertain some fans. Uh, but you know, he's got a lot of people behind him now and you know, he's got Barstool Sports and Dave sure. Portnoy and I have, uh, people, you know, that support me that could pitch in and, you know, maybe we could like create some sort of foundation uh, and raise money through our fight somehow and and give it to mental health, I think it just makes sense. And, um, we, you know, we have a history already of calling each other out, so it's not like something that is just out of the blue. And uh, I think it, you know, it makes sense. But who knows? You never know um, what's going to happen in this game. Maybe we're just setting it up for even further down the line, which is fine. Uh, but, yeah, I'm not sure. There hasn't been any movement on it yet, but I'm waiting here. Like, you know, it's only been a couple of days since I fought, so we'll see Sure, sure. Well, it, it does sound like you two have uh, some mutual respect for one another, you and Patty Pimblett, yeah? Yeah, no, not, not, none of our call-outs are malicious. Right. <laughs> been, like, through Twitter before, uh, we wished each other luck. Um, we both wanted, you know, I, I like to see him win, and I think he's great for the sport i think he's a great character he you know he has a good message and um he's entertaining and fun and i think you know it would just be i think it's a good fight nice and um in your last fight uh 
it, it was really nice seeing you be able to go for takedowns and just kind of threaten against the grappler. And I was just wondering what the game plan was for that last fight, if you don't mind sharing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I knew that, I know that, you know, he's a seven-time Jiu-Jitsu world champion. He's also got some really big wins over guys like Kevin Lee and Stevie mm. Ray, knockouts. Um, you know, he was on a six-fight winning streak at one point, I think, or seven-fight winning streak in the UFC. Uh, obviously, you know, he's gotten a little older. But his last two fights, um, he was beating Grant Dawson, and then in the last second, Grant Dawson, literally in the last second of the last round, Grant knocked him out. Mm. Uh, and then he hurt, his, his last fight, he, for me, he hurt Clay Guida in the first round, almost finished him at, it could have any another ref might have stopped that fight, and then right. you know, he gassed himself out trying to finish Clay, and and Clay ended up choking him. Um, so I knew he was dangerous everywhere. He's dangerous on the feet. He's super long. He had a seven-inch reach advantage on me. Um, he's tall. He's got really good hips, uh, and it, you know his striking is good. So like, I knew that I had to weather. I thought I would have to weather more of a storm in the first round. Mm. And just get on the inside and beat him up. And, you know, I wanted to go to the body, and I did really well. Uh, I think that slowed him down a lot. We were also in Salt Lake, so that might have been a, yeah. a um, yeah. factor in yeah. cardio, you know, in the elevation. Uh, and mm. I know that I'm in great shape. So I wanted to, you know, just weather, you know, make him wilt. And that's what I did. I, I didn't get the finish, but I did really well. My I set records. Like, I, I was like, top three for significant strikes to the body for that fight. Uh, the striking nice. differential was like top, top 10. And yeah, so I, was, I got into some record uh, boards and, you know, I won the fight 30, 27. So, uh, but yeah, I wanted to hurt, beat him up on the feet. If I, if I got the take down, you know, I would do what I do best, which is my ground and pound. Um, right. But I did really well on the feet. It was like a, it was a striking fight, and I haven't had one of those in a while, and I, I, uh, I think I showed out. Yeah, I was going to say those those body shots were nothing uh, to scoff at, Jared Gordon. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to get you out of here on this, Jared. The next 12 months, if you had to write a perfect script, if you had a, a, a best-case scenario, what would the next 12 months, what would the next calendar year look like for you, Flash? Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm dying to fight in Madison Square Garden. I was... I was born in I was born 30 blocks from Madison Square Garden. Uh, oh. Yeah, I was raised in Queens. Mhm. I trained at Henzo's, which is 4 blocks from the garden. Yeah. My grandfather fought, fought in Madison Square Garden. He was a professional boxer. Um so I feel like it's just like my destiny to to fight there. So, you know, and obviously they put on the biggest baddest cards at the garden, so it would be really nice to to get out to get in the garden but you know i just want to keep fighting i want to stay active i'm healthy i feel great i feel better now than i ever did before so i would like to get at least three fights in the next 12 months and climb that ladder there you go. And MSG, we will, we will manifest it, Jared Gordon. We will speak it into existence, man. First of all, thank you, you for go. the time. Uh, I know you're just coming off a victory. You probably want to be doing anything other than doing media and talking about what the future holds. <laughs> you want to be snacking or getting it in, hanging out with the family. So thank you for the time, Jared. And, man, again, congrats on the win on Saturday. 
Yeah, good job. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Angela. It's great talking to you guys. I appreciate it. MMA on Sirius XM is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Plus, catch Unlocking the Cage weekdays from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern and MMA Today Tuesday to Thursday from 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation, channel 156 and on the SXM app. Sirius XM Podcasts. <laughs>